Women Inseparable, where women connect through the Word of God, with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. What is prayer? Episode 1 of the Prayer and Fasting series. Prayer is Jesus. Think about that for a minute. Without Jesus, prayer is empty and vain. With Jesus, prayer becomes the entrance gate to the very heart of God. Here's Jacqueline. I'm not going to open up with my story. I'm going to open up with his and say, let's pray. And we'll go to the word of God. Heavenly Father, Lord, gracious Savior, we thank you. Truly thank you for life. Thank you for the life that we have in your son. Thank you for the life that we get to live. And sometimes life is hard. Sometimes our stories are hard. But Lord God, you're so big. You're so grand. You're so gracious. And you cover us with your grace. And I thank you so much for all that you do. I pray that you'll be with us now as we open up Ephesians. I pray that you'll make this passage new to us, whether it's new or not. I pray that you'll open our eyes to something that's going to grow us stronger in our prayer life today, that'll strengthen us in our fasting, and that'll just help us to um, become more and more like the woman that you've created us to be. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. What version you use is completely up to you. I was asked a couple of times um, what version I use, and it's ESV. So if you want to be, if you're on your, by your app and you want to match what I have, go to ESV. If not, use what you've got. Ephesians chapter 1. It starts off with Paul introducing himself, as all of his letters do. He's an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the will of God. I love that he introduces himself according to the will of God. He knows his place. That's vital. He says, this, this book is written to the saints who are in Ephesus and to those that are faithful in Christ Jesus. Will you please enter your name there? This letter is personal. This letter is for you. In verse 2, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read through verses 3 through 14. And my teaching style is fantastic because I don't really have one. So basically, we read scripture together. And when the Lord lays a thought, or if I have something that's pressing from my toes and I need to say it, I'll look up and I'll talk. If I have nothing to say, we'll read scripture and let the Lord speak. Okay, so that's kind of, if you will, my teaching style. I did a, um, it was an interview. I did a conversation piece. I submitted this thing about where I stand doctrinally. And it was so much fun. It was a three-page homework assignment of all my beliefs and all these different doctrines, and I giggled when I got it. I'm like, yay! So I submitted, you know, a 20-page essay, and it was fantastic. I'm a nerd. Um, I love Scripture. I would love for you to love Scripture. That's the number one goal. So we're going to look through verses 3 through 14. I'm going to read through it. If I can ask you, as we read through this, look at pronouns. We look, look at the pronouns. Very, very beautiful how Paul uses the pronouns in these passages. Verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. His name is beautiful, isn't it? Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us. You see how collective we are? In him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and that we should be blameless before him. I wonder how many of us read that passage and we see the word should and we get distracted by obligation. Do you ever feel obligated to be holy and get overwhelmed 
and defeated that quickly. And you're like, I know my story. I'm failing in my should ability of being holy. And here Paul is saying we should be holy and we should be blameless before him. And we take that on as obligation. And we take that on as weight. And we take that on as failure. Because in and of ourselves, we can't. We know that. We know our past. We know today. We know what happened today. And we're like, holy? My name? Don't think so. But here's the beautiful thing when you read scripture. You can take away, step away from a couple of words and look at the whole context. So if you look at this whole, looking back at the beginning of verse 4, it says, even as he... God chose us collectively in him before the foundations of the world were even created. He chose us to be holy. He chose us to be blameless. So it's not an obligation. It's not a weight. It's a, you are chosen to be holy. Do you feel that weight gone? You are chosen to be seen as holy. That's who you are. Wait's gone. You are chosen to be blameless in the eyes of God before the foundation of the world was created. You are chosen to be blameless. You. And you can breathe just a little bit more. Do you feel that? Do you love the fact that obligation goes away? That guilt goes away? That, that chain of being or of producing goes away? Because you are. That's beautiful. That's collective. That's us. It continues. He says, in love, he predestined us for adoption. Adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. That's you. Predestined on the very mind of God Almighty to be his. And I don't know your story when it comes to parents. I don't know your story when it comes to adoption. But I know my story. I know my physical story. And I know my spiritual story. My spiritual story says I have a dad. His name is God. I met him when I was three years old. And he's never failed me. I have been a child of God since I was three years old. Adopted as his son. As his daughter. It's a beautiful thing. In verse number six, let's go to six. He says, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. See those pronouns, how beautiful and how strong those are. In him, we have redemption through his blood. We have redemption in his forgiveness of our trespasses. Does this go back to that original verse of being holy? And being blameless. And sometimes we think of that forgiveness of our trespasses. And we think, but mine. But my trespasses. Do you remember your trespasses? And do they stop you from clinging to this verse? I ask this question because I ask myself this question. And there are different seasons in my life that I'm like, oh, no. No, those, that's tough. It's tough. Because Satan's like, let me tell you something. And you're like, I don't need you to tell me because I know the truth. Speak the truth out loud. What truth are you going to speak out loud? This verse. In him, we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of our trespasses. We are in his arm, in his hand, on his mind, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8. Somehow it doesn't stop. 
that keeps growing. It gets bigger each verse. Verse 8, it says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom. Can we say amen to wisdom? Am I the only one begging God every day for wisdom and discernment? He lavished wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. That's powerful. It says, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. And look at verse 10. In Jesus Christ, we see a couple of times in these verses, and the words purpose and will and plan, right? It's kind of ongoing, the purpose, the plan, the will. It's an ongoing thought process going on. And it's all through Jesus Christ. Set before the foundation of the world in verse 10, he says, through Jesus Christ, it is the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. This thought, this verse has been blowing my mind this week. We talked about this last Thursday on the fullness of time. Last Thursday in our country was a tough day for our country. There's been a couple of days that have been tough for our country. Thursday was a tough day for our country. And for a week, I'm studying Ephesians 1 and getting ready for Thursday's Bible study to record with a mic and all of that. And I'm telling God, we're doing what is prayer, right? The study is what is prayer. And I wanted to do the Lord's Prayer. That's powerful. God, that makes sense. And he's like, no, Ephesians 1. So I had a discussion with God. On the side, I'm studying the Lord's Prayer. And in prayer, I'm studying Ephesians 1. This is how, this is how I work with God. <laughs> just on the side, just in case, you know. And I'm going over Ephesians 1 all day, all night, and listening to it and reading it, studying it, meditating on eating it. And the whole week, I'm like, God, Ephesians 1. I don't get it. Ephesians 1. And then Thursday morning happened. Wednesday night happened, and America woke up kind of sad, kind of lost, kind of broken, praying for wisdom, praying for discernment. And it hit me as I'm on my knees Thursday morning in prayer for our study, fullness of time. We are living in the fullness of time. Time started when God created the heaven and the earth, right? And we can get doctrinal. If you want to get doctrinal, we can talk about the life of God Almighty, there is no time. But when it comes to the fullness of time, when it comes to what this verse is talking about, God created the heaven and the earth, right? Genesis 1. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That's the fullness of time. That has not happened yet, right? Jesus Christ has not come again. That means time is still going. That sand clock, if you will, I have a sand clock on my, on my desk. I love it. That sand just slowly drips down. That time is still on. We are still alive. Our heart is still beating. Our blood is still flowing. We are still living every day in the fullness of time. This is God's plan. We are alive today to fulfill God's plan through Jesus Christ. That's cool. But this section afterward has been hitting me. As a plan to fulfill the fullness of time to do what? I'm a mom. Do we have moms? Okay, I think a lot of us in this room are moms. And I read this verse and I laugh. And I'm a mom of one. I always say I have boys. FYI, that means my husband and my son. Okay? 
<laughs> this verse says that God's plan in Jesus Christ is to fulfill the fullness of time for the purpose of uniting all things in him. Kids, do you ever try to unite things in your home? Do you know how hard that is to bring unity in just your home? Okay, yeah. now imagine next Wednesday we all get together and we're all like, nailed it. <laughs> right? Okay, do you see the humor that I've seen in this verse? God's goal, God's plan, God's will, God's purpose through Jesus Christ is to unite all things, not just our children in peace and sanity for an afternoon so you can take a hot bath, but his goal, his plan for you, for me is to unite all things, all things, all things that are in heaven. And then this blows my mind. He wants to unite all things in him on earth. Do you ever say to yourself out loud this afternoon around 4 p.m.? I don't even know what to pray. Can you pray this verse? Lord, according to your will, according to your plan, in the name of Jesus Christ, unite all things on earth. We may not be able to unify our home on a daily basis, on a minute basis. Lord, have mercy every Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But God can and he will. He's declared it. He's promised it till the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in heaven and on earth. Will you join me in praying that? The question is, what is prayer? Prayer is Jesus. Prayer is Jesus. And here's where I want to switch. We've been talking pronouns or looking at pronouns. We're not in English class. We're not talking what they are. We're looking at them. And all of our pronouns have been collective. The we's and the s uniting us as a whole. Look at the shift in pronouns. Verse, and we'll just keep reading. Verse 11. In him we have obtained, again we have the word we, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Do you see the repetition? Continues throughout this passage. And then verse 13 he says, in him, what's that next word? You. Pronoun switch. In him, you. So we collectively are in the fullness of time. We are collectively in God's plan to unite all things in heaven and on earth. We are part of his plan. But you have to do something, don't you? You have to. And this is where prayer comes in. This is where the answer of what is prayer? Prayer is Jesus. Prayer has to start somewhere. A relationship always starts somewhere. Suzanne opened us this, or this evening and said, there's a lot of faces in here I do not know. I'm going to meet a lot of friends. You know how you do that? You put on name tags and you say, hi, this is my name. Verse 13, it says, in him you also, and listen to the beauty of this passage. And if you have a pen and you want to write notes, I have passages for you to make this verse real. Make this verse real. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, and then it has a little phrase defining what the word of truth is. The word of truth is the gospel of your salvation. Pronoun is still focusing on you. So the question is, have you heard the word of truth? Do you know the gospel of salvation? If you don't, will you this week read Matthew 27? It's a long chapter. It's a powerful chapter. 
Read Matthew 27 and also read Matthew 28 because Matthew 27 will put you in tears. But Matthew 28 is what we stand on. Yes, Jesus Christ came. He is the Son of God. He chose humanity. He chose to live and relate to us. Huh. That's amazing. He chose the cross. He chose it. He chose to die. Everybody does. We've heard this. Everybody dies. So if Jesus' life as the Son of God came, took our sins, died, and a story, do you feel guilt sitting on you a little bit? Like Jesus' love was so big that he died for me. Oh, he died for me. I personally would take that on as guilt. Like, oh, somebody died for me. Oh my gosh. I need to do this and this and this and this and this. And I need, I, I need to make this better. I need to stand tall and, and be a better good Christian girl. And I need to, to make up for that person dying for me. But then Matthew 28 happens. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. But three days later, Jesus rose again, conquering that sin, conquering death, conquering the grave, conquering all those chains that weigh us down, that heaviness that sits on us, gone. Jesus rose again. He is alive and living today, seated where he belongs, at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Matthew 28. That's what we stand on. Our Savior died, yes, but he rose again. That's what separates. We're not a religion. We don't study the Bible because we're good Christian girls. <laughs> our Savior rose again. That's why we study our Bible. What is prayer? Jesus. When he rose again, he said, here's God. Let me introduce you to him. He's my father, and because of me, he's your dad too. Think about that. That makes Jesus your brother. Your brother is Jesus Christ. And sometimes we feel alone. Don't feel alone. You've got God. You've got a brother in Jesus Christ, and you've got sisters. I don't know anybody in this room. That's okay. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, Matthew 27 and 28, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him. These are powerful verses. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Read those verses. Have you ever said with your mouth, God, I believe that your son came to earth, died on the cross, rose again for me. God, I believe he is my only way to heaven. God, I want to be yours. I believe in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Have you ever? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God has risen him from the dead, you're saved. That quick. Isn't it beautiful? It takes off all that pressure of, oh, Jesus died for me. I need to do all of this. No, Jesus rose again. I believe. And there's no more pressure. There's no more guilt. There's no more, I need to be holy. I need to be blameless. You're washed free. You believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God sees you as holy. God sees you as blameless. That's who you are. That's beautiful. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. That's prayer. That's Jesus. The verse 13 ends with this. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Here's your passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you? 
I was raised in church. I didn't know the Holy Spirit until I was older. Holy Spirit was a little taboo growing up. I see some nods like, oh, I know that. I didn't know the Holy Spirit. I knew God. Very, he was my dad. He held me my whole life. I fell asleep talking to God like I was writing in a journal. I'd cry. I'd laugh. We'd remember everything all day. We'd have a good time every night. I still fall asleep talking to God. I wake, to, wake up talking to God. He's my dad. Jesus, I know him. I received him as my Savior. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit, I didn't know. I was told, don't disobey the Holy Spirit. Don't quench him. Don't grieve him. King James words. So I'm like, okay, there's always like that distance between the Holy Spirit. Like if I, if I know the Holy Spirit, my hand's going to start flying everywhere. <laughs> That's like kind of my mentality. And then I became an adult. And something like I just, it like hit me. The Holy Spirit is freedom. And I cried. I'm 33 years old. And I'm learning for the first time freedom. I don't have to hold on to the law. I don't have to hold on to rules. I don't need to hold on to man statements of what's right and what's wrong. I'm free because the Holy Spirit is in me telling me, Jacqueline, this is what I want you to do today. Okay. And what the Holy Spirit tells me is going to be different than what the Holy Spirit tells Julie, and that's beautiful. So now Julie doesn't have to be Jacqueline, and I don't have to be Julie. Freedom. It's the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, verse 13 gives us God, Jesus, you're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know the Holy Spirit, study 1 Corinthians 2. FYI, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Meet him. Talk to him. Ask him. And then listen. What is prayer? Prayer is Jesus. And dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll be with us today. And as we stand before you, as we sit side by side together to study the Word of God, Lord, I don't know where we are in our own walks with you. I don't know if there's somebody that's going to be joining us today that has never received your Son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior. I don't know if there's somebody sitting with us today that has been walking with you, that has been studying your Word, has been claiming you as their Father for decades. Lord, I pray that you will meet us where we are. I pray that your Holy Spirit will call our name, that you'll bring us present before you. I pray salvation upon this sister that does not know you. I pray that today will be the day that she receives you as her Father receives Christ as her Savior. I pray that you'll strengthen each of us, grow each of us to where we are as we are. Build up our prayer life, I pray. Teach us how to pray, why to pray, and when to pray. And I pray that you'll help us to open up our ears to hear your voice. I pray that you'll open our heart to receive your truth. And I pray, Lord God, that we won't try to do this prayer thing without you. We can't. It's impossible. Lord Jesus, you are prayer. And I pray that you'll help us to learn that all over again. Today and throughout this series, we give this to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online.